Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Celtic stuff live. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for the Boston Celtics. I'm your host, Justin Poole, and joining me, as always, is John Duke. And by the time this airs, that's right, tonight will be opening night. And of course, we're recording this the night before, so we're 24 hours away. You my friends, my listening friends are only about 12 hours away because we'll post this at 7 a.m. on Tuesday morning and it'll be game time by 8 p. The Celtics are going to kick it off this year against the Philadelphia 76ers, a matchup that we thought in the postseason last year was going to be a little bit tougher. Uh, John, I went to the only loss, uh, that the Celtics incurred in that series against Philly. It was in Philly. I had a heck of a night though. A ton of fun. Lots of Celtics fans down here in the city of brotherly love. So it was a fun time. And, uh, I didn't wear any Celtics gear just for my own safety. If you've been in Philly, you would know that that was a smart decision. And at the end of the day, uh, we're going to pick it right back up. We're going to watch these two teams face off. It's, and, and I know everybody always said trust the process with Philly, John, but I'm going to say for the Celtics, it's trust the progression because that's really, it's, it's beyond the process. It's all about the progression, the young players getting better. Don't forget, we haven't talked about this at all, but they have a pending high first round pick yet again this year in the post, in the, after the postseason is over, we hit the draft. It's really pretty crazy what this team is doing. I'm excited for the year. And uh, opening night is tonight. Oh, man, I'm so excited. I can't wait. I, I'm Honestly, I, it feels like I've been waiting for this night since five minutes into the start of last season, you know. And that's not to say that all the expectations are on the shoulders of Gordon Hayward. Far from it. But really, I was looking forward to, at that point, going into that Cleveland game to start last season, was how is this team going to build around Gordon Hayward? How are they going to mesh together? And we're still, a year later, we're still trying to figure that out. Of course, Gordon Hayward needs to become Gordon Hayward once again. And I think he will eventually in time. But, you know, I like that. Trust the progression because this is a team that has 
made steps every single year. One year after another, they've had higher, higher and higher and higher win totals under Brad Stevens. So now we're starting this season where the expectations are high and they have all the opportunity in the world. It seems as though aside from, you know, maybe what happens in Philly, what happens in Toronto, maybe Milwaukee, uh, the, you know, there is a, a pretty clear path for them, uh, to get to the, not only the Eastern Conference Finals, but to the NBA Finals. So, you know, we start this quest here with, uh, with opening night and, you know, the progression that this team has been on has been an, uh, just an incredible upward climb. And now they stand, they seem to be standing ready for that next chapter. The question to me, of course, is it does go back to where I was a year ago. How quickly can Gordon Hayward become Gordon Hayward again? And we're going to see opening night, some of that. And it seems that if you read what's been going on over the last week in, in whatever sort of camp that they've had here since the end of, of the exhibition season, and even if you say, you know, for whatever reason they weren't showing it um, in those exhibition games but were showing it in practice, it seems as though Kyrie and Gordon – have, have kind of gone up a level. And that's a huge sigh of relief. Of course, now you gotta see it on the court in front of fans and in front of opposing fan, uh, teams. But that's what we're waiting for. How well, can the back they injury that too. Guy? Yeah. Back injuries, kind of a little bit of a concern. I think they are talking about maybe limited minutes and we'll see how that goes. I still think he's in the starting lineup. I think we see the same one that began last year. Uh, especially, I know Philly was one of the matchups you said maybe we will see Baines in that starting lineup. I don't see it on opening night. We've talked about this already during the preseason, but the back injury, no need to rush it. No need. And he said, I've had it before. It usually goes away pretty quick. It's no big deal. Um, you know, when you haven't been in condition for basically an entire year. I know he's been able to, to run, you know, over the last month and a half or so and, and play in basketball shape. But the point is that to really get ramped back up, all these little ailments are going to, are going to creep. And he played extended minutes. I thought during the preseason considering, I mean, they were really trying to feed him the ball. It's not just how many minutes he was on the floor, but his involvement in the offense and defensively when he was out there, they were really trying to get him up to speed. So I think that's a big, a big piece of it for Hayward. I don't think they should rush it with, with, you know, pushing him along. We've dealt with injuries though in the past and this team of all teams obviously has shown that they can weather that storm if he needs to take a couple of nights on. I mean, a night, couple of nights off. And that's kind of what we do want to see. We want to see them be able to cohese and become really good to the point where all these guys, these top tier, you know, top of the rotation players get nights off. And then that, that way that really stretches out their season. And they stay fresh throughout the year. Ultimately, if they can stay healthy and they can win those games and pull that off, then I think we see throughout the year that they don't really hit any of those dips in play. Because all those dips are usually fatigue-related in my mind. So I think they can weather that storm. But as far as the matchup tonight uh, against Philadelphia, what are your what are your predictions? I, I, I do see during the preseason the Celtics were a little rusty. I really don't think they will be in this game. I think the energy level, I think Kyrie turns it up a notch. They're not really fooling around anymore. They've had 10 games to practice and really get their offensive sets in. Uh, do I think it'll be a pretty game? No, opening night rarely is a pretty game. 
there's usually plenty of miscues, but it's usually entertaining. Even the Cleveland game after Hayward went down was an entertaining game last year, and there were definitely uglier, ugly moments, not, not as ugly as Hayward going down, but there were ugly moments of basketball in that game. And so here we are. Uh, it's going to be tonight, and I, I think the Celtics still kind of pick up that dominance that they had the postseason against Philly. I look well. One thing that has come out is that we know that JJ Redick is going to sit the bench to start the game, and they're going to start Markel Fultz. So the spacing on that team is going to be just this side of the 1981 Sixers Celtics series uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals. Only Andrew Tony sitting on the bench, and we're going to have you know Caldwell Jones is going to be out there with you know that that bruising team. It, it, it's just look. I get you know. It, I think. Personally, I think they should sit Hayward. I, I do. I don't think promotionally they probably will, but I think they should sit him. I think he needs to work his way back and take that pressure off. But having said that, it really doesn't matter. Do I think they'll win? I think the Celtics will win. I think that there's going to be a, a wave of emotion in that game, that gym. I think the team is going to be really motivated after a really poor performance in the exhibition season to show to the league and to the Sixers. They're the top dog. If this was in Philly, I might felt feel a little bit differently. Might feel that Philly might be ready to come get them. I think Markel. I think this is a dangerous game for Markel Fultz, uh, and I don't really understand the idea of not. Yeah, it's an expectations it. thing. It's foolish. It's it is foolish because of the way last year went. It's like, it's almost like they're saying, nope, he's not the Markel you saw last year, which is really only going to make him more of the Markel we saw last year. Yeah, and and JJ Redick is so important for them. I mean, the reason that they did so well in the playoffs was his shooting and and Bellinelli's shooting, and Sobis shooting. Without that, who the hell are the Philadelphia 76ers? Yeah, who spaces that floor when exactly? Yeah, I mean, maybe can't shoot from the outside. It's it's an issue. Maybe Covington will actually make a shot, which he couldn't do in the playoffs against the Celtics. But I, I think it could be really ugly for, for Philly. Uh, and I, you know, and I don't have any bad. There's no bad, you know, mojo towards uh, uh, towards Fultz at all. It just it just seems weird. And then. I've heard that Brett Brown is going to. This start is the game that you want to see. Well, yeah, hate him go bananas. Why, right? Like this is the this right. is the slap across the face every yeah. time we play this team. But I don't understand why you're going to start him to start the game and then supposedly he's not starting the third quarter. What the heck is that about? Like that doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, I don't know it what makes even less all, sense that they would tell you that it's ahead of time. Crazy that they're going to even go there with this. Right. Well, so why do they tell him ahead of time? Right. Like right. Hey, this is our marquee play. This is our guy, so we're going to start him just so that you guys yeah. see him on opening night. But he's actually not good enough to be a starter. We're going to not bring him out to start the second half. We're yeah. going to go back to Redick. And the whole letting everybody know that is really odd, too. It's almost like they know that it would be met with some curiosity and confusion. And so they're trying to preempt that by telling everybody. But I, I think all it does is create more and more buildup for all of that. It's, it is. It's, it's really bizarre. I think the game will be interesting tonight. Um, I think we'll have a lot of fun. It'll just be great to have basketball back on on TV. And I know we've got a bunch of Twitter questions we've got to get to. I want to remind everybody, follow Celtic Stuff Live on Twitter at CSL underscore Tweet Live. You can follow me at CSL underscore Justin. John is at CSL underscore Duke. The entire CLNS Media Network at CLNS Media, Facebook.com slash CLNS fans. Download the CLNS Media app for iOS and Android. Simply search CLNS Media in your app marketplace. Finally, the YouTube channel, which really heats up 
uh, beginning tonight. That's right, full-length locker room interviews. Not that you haven't had it through the preseason, but it's about to get good with the Garden Report, the Roundtable, etc. YouTube.com slash CLNS Media. Again, all in high definition. You'll find our videos there more and more every week, snippets of it. If you're finding us on YouTube, then go find us on your favorite podcast application. If you're listening to us, as many of you have over the years, uh, almost a decade and a half now, if you're listening to us on the podcast, go check out our videos. Go to that youtube.com slash CLNS Media, click playlist, and search for Celtic Stuff Live, and we'll be right there. So, uh, John, let's go to some of these Twitter questions. I think this is a, a good time for that. Um. Let's go to the first one, which has a lot to do with the trade uh, potential interest from the Phoenix Suns in Terry Rozier. So quick question from Robert Williams, draft TV guy, uh, also knows the guy who threw a, I believe it was a shoe through the window. Is that what it was on draft night? I'm just saying. Anyway, I'll never forget him, even though he's changed his Twitter profile handle like several times. Quick question for the podcast. We've got two from him. Any chance to get an unprotected pick for Terry Rozier or what do you think a package would look like? Um, I'd like to think we could get an unprotected pick. I'd like to think that Phoenix is confident enough in their team that, that, that seems less risky to them because there is a lot of talent on that squad, but it's still very young. Um, and so I think it would be top three protected if we got a pick, even though Terry's pretty awesome player we love him very much we drafted him at 16 i think they'd still go at least top three protected john it, yeah phoenix is really desperate and I, you can't put anything past uh, <laughs> put robert sarver and what they're and they just fired somebody so big ryan moves McDonough. are necessary right. that's right over celtics uh, assistant gm ryan mcdonough gets fired i i think it's possible that they're going to be very desperate that seems like it's a lot to give up, though, for a team that hasn't proven anything and probably is, you know, even if they have Aiton and they have Booker, it seems like it's a lot to put a, an unprotected pick on the table. I don't think it would happen. I mean, this is what a package look like. Yeah, I think you, first of all, there isn't, unless you include Bridges, I don't think you even consider a, a deal with Phoenix. And I'm not sure what else you could really get. You don't really want Josh Jackson. You need some shooting. You're not getting Aiden. You're not getting Booker. I don't really want to touch TJ Warren. I think it's Bridges. I don't think I want Bender or, uh, um, uh, oh, for crying out loud. Well, I don't want Bender. I know I don't want Bender. You know, I, I he was a guy we looked at in that Jalen Brown draft. We talked a lot about him, his potential, and, you know, perhaps he can scratch that, but as somebody who you give up, uh, Terry Rozier for, who I think is, you know, going to prove himself to be somewhere in the almost $20 million a year range as a player, that's, that's too much value to go up for a guy who really hasn't shown he's an NBA quality player. Yeah, no, I, I gotta go with a pick just because I think that's what the team needs. Um, I know you could go pick up another young player, but you're really just continuing to delay the inevitable when these contracts come up. And if they do pay off the way you want them to, then you've got to pay the player. The pick is the best way to delay all of that. And if you want to make a big move, a pick is always an easy one to uh, include in a trade. So if you've got the salary, uh, et cetera, to make such a deal. So, uh, and I also think if they really intend to move Terry, 
you'd like to you'd like to think that they would do it this season long before the trade deadline. Um, unless they were to do it all in one big crazy package at the trade deadline, which is a totally different, a whole different decision, a whole different ball of wax than just trying to do a deal with Phoenix and sending him out. So I, I think you go for the trade asset. I think you give Marcus Smart more minutes. You give Jalen Brown more minutes and you give Marcus Morris more minutes as a result if you're going to make a move with Terry. But I think a pick is, is really the only thing that makes sense and, and you combine it with you know, whatever salary, uh, not necessarily a young player. Uh, well, I, I mean, you look at Bridges, you're only going to lose one year of his, of his, if, if you're comparing Bridges to a, a, a similarly, uh, scheduled pick, you know, one, you know what that guy can do in the NBA to some degree. And two, it's one less year. I, I don't think Bridges would be the problem. I think it's a question if you had somebody who is, Maybe a year away from restricted free agency. Maybe you know somebody who is in that sixteen draft. I hear you, but I think they need that. They need that year they can get. That would be something I would be probably more concerned with. But if if you're dealing with a guy who's got another two years before he even gets to that restricted free agency, that's the same thing almost as getting a draft pick. Only it's a sure thing because you know what you're getting. Yeah, I just think you know. To your point, I realize it's only one year, et cetera. But I just think that whoever you trade Terry for is getting moved anyway. You know, I, I mean, I, I get it. You can kind of shuffle the deck, et cetera. But I just think it's a piece. You know, they know that they might lose him if they're trading him. They're just getting a piece to make that deal for Anthony Davis or Carl Anthony Towns or whatever <laughs> said rebounding center, which is what they really need, right? Does this team ever need a rebounder? Like, I mean, it's that's one thing they just cannot solve in Boston is rebounding. And so that big shooting, rebounding, defending big man, that's their move. They're, if, and, and I'm not saying that Bridges isn't that player, too. He is. But it's a lot different when you're talking about a pick that maybe you're combining with the Sac- Sacramento pick and you're shuttling it off to a team that's more in, into a potentially a rebuilding move uh, or they want to take a look at this year and they want to make a big splash and et cetera. So to me, you know, I, I think it's a lot about moving the pick or delaying salary as long as possible. And I think that extra year does matter in that case because that's one more year, you know, that, you know, the, the, the pick, you know, cause it could be a future pick, right? They don't necessarily have to trade Terry Rozier for a pick this year. It could be a pick in three years. So then you're really delaying the salary. And I like that they have these picks that keep coming up so they can keep bringing in, you know, young talent to build upon. It would be nice to see them keep that on some sort of a role. So they were always transitioning, you know, out of that middle aged veteran into, you know, young players all at the same time. So they're growing their own talent. Um, I think that's the, that's the ticket for me. Um, all right. So I'm going to tell you about one in 100. Boston sports fans, do you want to get killer seats to see your favorite team for the price of a beer or a large pizza? Tired of paying for all the inflated markups from brokers or last-minute convenience charges so you end up paying court seat, courtside prices for nosebleed seats? Go to onein100.co. That's O-N-E-I-N-1-0-0.co. Feeling lucky? Try it out now. There's no other place online that's doing online raffles to win tickets to events. It's a totally new way to score tickets to your favorite events and a new way to score Boston Celtics tickets. 
The cost to potentially score tickets with one in 100 is a small fraction of the actual ticket price. Score a pair of tickets for less than the cost of a beer. Your first raffle ticket is free after signing up, and the experience of using one in 100 is extremely fun and exciting. From picking your lucky number to the feeling of potentially scoring premium tickets, feeling lucky? Try it. One in 100.co. That's O-N-E-I-N 100.co. Okay, John, let's move on to the next one. Before we go back to Robert Williams, Draft TV guy, let's uh, go to Byron Solomon, who has been always very active with the show and love getting the question here. He has two questions. We'll do them both. Then we'll go back to uh, Robert Williams, Draft TV guy. And then we'll wrap up our show with some season predictions, uh, not only for the Celtics, but for the league. So let's start with the first one who do you think will be the biggest x factor by the end of the year for the celtics john you can kick this one off wow big, big biggest x factor i think for me x factor in this case probably talks about who is the player who brings them to the next level right because we've seen them they've been in that mix that eastern conference mix but who's really going to make them a finalist who's going to make them a team that can be you know, on par with the Golden State Warriors and push them for a championship. And I think, you know, just judging by what we saw last year, I think it's actually Gordon Hayward. I think Gordon Hayward is the guy. And I think that's probably maybe a bit of a cop-out, I guess. But he's the guy who has those skills that the team didn't have last year. He's the playmaking wing who who can make shots but also create for others, who can get his own shot, who can rebound, who can defend, who does a little bit of everything. I mean, he fills those gaps in so many ways and in some of the same ways that that – uh, you know, we, you see it Horford. Horford fills these gaps for the team, particularly defensively. I think offensively, we're going to see that Gordon Hayward, once he reaches the level of what we're used to seeing from Gordon Hayward, or at least something close to it, he's going to fill so many gaps for this team. It's going to allow guys like Brown and Tatum and Kyrie and Horford and, and even Rozier and Smart to play their games, but facilitate all that to a high degree. So I'm going with Hayward. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly think the biggest X factor is going to be Jalen Brown. If he can play with it, wow. I know, you just, you're like, oh, really? Why of would he course. play Jalen Brown? I, I, yeah, yeah. No, but, but, but for real, from the, from the standpoint of, you know, he, he's now moving down the rotation in that starting lineup. It, you know, here's a guy we've been hoping will get to a point where he's exploding offensively. He showed him much improvement last year in his three-point shot. He sometimes was out of control driving to the lane. Then in the second half of the season and into the postseason, it's like he really started to show flashes of brilliance. And, yes, he still had some of those, you know, sort of ill-advised mental breakdowns where he wasn't totally sure what he was going to do with the ball when he got started. But there were so many glimpses of what he could be. But now he's getting knocked down into the rotation. And so there's really only two ways for, for Brown to go here. He's either going to really just become a, a defensive stalwart in the offensive, I mean, in the starting lineup, or he's going to figure out how to use, and we've seen it a little bit. We talked about it even after just game one, but the cutters and the cutting, he's got to get better and better at moving off the ball and looking for those passes and then converting it right into a shot. And I think, and, and also, uh, with that lack of involvement, he needs to become this rebounder. They, he has the athleticism 
to go up and sky and grab some of those boards. And even if he does stay back for boards, which they rarely do because they're always chugging back on defense, he's quick enough to get back on D2. So he should be the guy that's kind of scooping up some of those some of the, you know, scooping up the, the rebounds off the glass that they've struggled to do so much. So the, he's my X factor there. But, um, the next one is what issue will be the biggest X factor? I'll start that one. Very easy to say injuries, um, just based on recent history. Um, another one would be chemistry issues just related to the fact that now we have all these players that are, are healthy, et cetera. But, you know, I think the, the biggest issue that may surge as an X factor for this team is, is actually a little bit of midseason complacency. I think they might actually get so good that they come, and we saw it last year, even when Hayward was down. Do you remember the way they just kind of got complacent with the team ball and they all sat back and watched Kyrie and they had started out so well? That's my biggest fear. Mid-season complacency. I think they'll get it right for the postseason, but that's the issue that I think could rear its ugly head, especially after a hot start. I yeah, I can see I can see the complacency. I I think probably it's somewhat related to that is is actually the defense. I'm worried more about the defense actually than the offense coming into this year. I think it's going to flow quite easily with so much talent on the floor, whether it's the second unit. And we saw Rozier in the exhibition season was already coming out hot and firing. I feel like defensively that's probably maybe that's another shade of what you're talking about in terms of complacency. You know, that's where you see the slippage. That's where the extra effort kind of goes away. And when you have so many players who spent so much of their summer working on skills they can add offensively, you know, as Marcus Smart said, you know, last week or two weeks ago, he said, you know, no one works on their defense in the summer, you know, <laughs> and I think that's true. So they've got to be able to bring that. And hopefully Brad's, you know, what he said over the last week in terms of the team kind of bringing themselves up a level a bit, and particularly in Kyrie and, and in Gordon Hayward's situations, I think that perhaps maybe they've shown some of that. Let's hope. Because I think they, that's where their bread was buttered last year, and they can't go into the season trying to outscore everyone. They need to really do it on both ends, particularly if they want to try to compete with Golden State, who does defend and certainly knows how to score. All right, we'll go to the last Twitter question. This one, again, from Robert Williams Draft TV guy. Who's not on the roster by the end of the trading deadline? And it's insinuating that it's only one player, but, you know, really you could choose multiple players. That's a foreshadowing for my guess. You go. Oh, whoa, whoa. Look at you. Um, I think Marcus Morris is the guy. I mean, I don't want to – I think – Jabari Bird is is a cop out, so I'm not gonna. You know, he, I think he's gone no matter what. Uh, I think Marcus, Morris, which is interesting, because why didn't they just cut him now? That's you know. Well, that's it's a whole thing with the league and their CBA, and I, it's it's. I think it's it's out of the team's hands. It's a cautious it's, legal play. Yep, understood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, but I I think Morris is the guy. I think he's got the right contract. He's an expiring deal. I think if. If you see some growth in guys like, well, I think certainly in, in the case of, uh, Ojale, I think if he steps up a level and becomes a, a, a bit of a rotation player, I think that's a huge sign. I think even just Hayward, if Hayward and Brown, if Brown needs more 
more playing time and they try to find a way to feature him more, kind of what you're talking about early on in terms of the X factor. If he shows that type of growth, they're almost forced to trade somebody. And it's unfortunate it would be Morris because really his side, his, his position isn't at all what Jalen Brown is doing. But I feel like if Brown grows to that level or Tatum grows, if there's just some sort of exponential growth there, He's the guy that's going to have to go. And the amount that they're over the salary, the luxury tax, they could get under the luxury tax, which would mean obviously then they're not. That's one more year. They're not worried about repeater taxes. That's one more year. You're not worried about, you know, what that's going to mean to guys like Tatum when they get there or, or Brown when they get their extensions. So uh, that's the guy I'm looking at, but okay. I think they make the big move. I think they make the big move and I think it's Marcus and Marcus. Uh, that's my double pick. I think they're the salaries that go, you know, and to your point, Marcus Morris winds up whatever team he's traded to. It's the expiring contract that brings that down for them. And then Marcus Smart just got, you know, paid. And we've talked about that, that much of that deal could be that Marcus gets his money, but he's uh, an attractive kind of piece defensively. And then you've got the Sacramento pick. And, uh, and other future picks that they can include in, in said deal. I'm, and I'm sure depending on the player, you know, maybe it's Carl Anthony Towns, maybe it's not, you know, Jimmy Butler is going to play. So, uh, who knows? Maybe they all reconcile and everything's happy. Uh, maybe it's Anthony Davis. It, it's hard to say. I kind of feel like with the Anthony Davis thing, it won't happen until after the season. It doesn't seem like it would be a deadline type of deal, especially if that team has any success. Um, at the beginning of the year. But at the end of the day, I think they make the big move, and I think the salaries, the core piece salaries, is going to be Marcus and Marcus. I think the Celtics are going to be very reluctant to make a deal like that if they can't hold on to Brown and Tatum. Not that not that they wouldn't be willing to trade those players again in the future. I just don't think that that's where they want to go this year. I feel like they want to have that cost-controlled, deep bench, athletic. I think they want to be able to throw everything at Golden State, and I think in the back of their minds um, that they can spare uh, the Marcuses. I don't want to, you know, stir the pot and and, and anyone to think that this is really anything more than, um, I don't know, <laughs> whatever it is. But, you know, if you take uh, the – the, the salaries of Marcus Smart and Marcus Morris. Um, there is a trade match there for Jimmy Butler, for what it's worth. So, Butler, I, don't, interesting. I, I, I don't like that. You deal. want to make Kyrie happy. That's all. You are so all up Kyrie's butt. You just want to make him happy, bring in Jimmy Butler, and then we can, you know, he did us right because he told us he's not going anywhere. So now you want to throw the guy a bone and bring in his boy, Jimmy Butler. Well, it, the only reason you do that is if you get Jimmy Butler to say he's not going to opt out. Right? That's yeah. the, that's, that's, that's the trick. That's the deal. Yeah. He's going to not opt out, and then then you make another deal in the summer. Because, again, you can't do the Anthony Davis deal until after Kyrie signs his new contract. But then you've got Butler, Tatum, Brown. <laughs> this is crazy. Butler, Tatum, Brown, and Hayward. And somehow out of that, you and you probably still have picks because I don't think it's going to cost you if you have to give up Smart and, and and Morris. I don't think you're going to have to give up the let's say the the, the Sacramento pick. 
uh, maybe just the Memphis pick or maybe just the Clippers pick. I don't think it's going to cost an arm and a leg for half a season of Jimmy Butler. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I, I, I think, think it's going to be whatever it takes. That's an interesting yeah. idea. I mean, that's they're definitely in a, in a whatever it takes scenario, though, right? Like this is, this is, let's go after Golden State, you know, and, but that is a gamble. That's a big gamble, but that's the kind of gamble that Danny has been willing to do and has done in the past. And, um, you know, I, I don't know, man, that could be cool. All right. Let's do our season predictions. Um, every year we've done a wins total. It's been funny because we both, well, I can't remember if we both have, but, I'm pretty yeah, sure we yeah. did repeater wins the last two seasons. You and got you got it two years or I got it two years ago. And yeah, and I got it last year. Yep, that's right. Course. So we're we're this is in Vegas. If you're listening, sponsor our show because we're hitting the line, man. Come on, let's go, Vegas. Come on, send us well, send so, us your, so send us I, your checks. And we've been within a couple of wins of each other when we've made these predictions. And yes, every year we've gone. And especially last season with Hayward, we were like, oh, man, we really want to go 60 wins. We really want to go 60 wins, but we just can't because we're not sure how this is all going to gel. And, you know, we didn't know Tatum was going to – I was pretty optimistic about Tatum, but we didn't know Tatum was going to be who he was last year. Um you, you know, he was a little bit – we expected him to be a little bit closer to what he was in preseason this year. <laughs> um But – at the end of the day, I think we're looking at this, and I'm finally going to go 60 wins. I'm going to say 61 wins <laughs> for this season. That's where I'm rolling, boy. First atop the East, wabam. Yep, I think I think you're right. First atop the East, uh, I, I I'm with you there entirely. I'm going 63 wins. I think the Celtics are going to be rolling over these. Oh, teams you you have not. never gone above my number. Just so everybody who's listening knows, I've always right. been, you know, the Kool-Aid drinking, pushing the number up there. And this year, John, you're, you're, you're outpacing me by two wins. I am going with 63. Why don't, you, why don't you just go all in and say that they beat the uh, Golden State record for wins in a season? <laughs> okay. That's just, the East is weak. That's just, the East is weak and they play the West weak. tough. They play the West tough. It is, yes, those are all true. However, I think that as you talked about, they're gonna rest people. So I, I don't think they'll push 70. I think it's, I think it's gonna actually be something. They're not gonna start that strong. I think they'll be good, you know, but not great. But then once they hit their stride right around Christmas time, I think that's when things are going to really get interesting and they're really going to uh, get hot um, in the second half of the season. Oh yeah, they're they're definitely going to get hot in the second half of the season. It it the the real thing is that complacency slash you know even though I kind of said that's kind of the pick du jour for the issue that might pop up and the X factor is that whole chemistry thing and I just think Brad's been really amazing with that and you have a guy like Terry who's still playing for a contract so you know he can't uh, oh, and he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who will huff and puff around the locker room you know he's just a smart man who let his agent tell him to do the right thing which is wait and see wait and see we knew that extension wasn't getting done so I'm not so sure that there's going to be any kind of chemistry issues, but I do still, I, it's the injury factor that concerns me the most. And we should say the season predictions are predicated on no trades or injuries because that stuff's all way out of our control. But I, and I don't mean major injuries. I just think that nights off, managing minutes, easy East division, right? I mean, other than Toronto, 
I feel like they've got a pretty good shot at being able to take it. So I think they're going to pace themselves. I, you know, do I think they want to win the Eastern Conference? Sure, I do. Do I think that they'll win the division easily? Well, not easily because Toronto's in the division, but but I still think they've got it. And I, and I think that they're going to just try to manage minutes. I really think they're going to do the Popovich approach this year better than any other year in the past. And I think it behooves them to do it because they're going to want guys like Tatum and Brown to be playoff ready. And if they really go after it with some of the starting lineup and they wear those minutes down, it just doesn't seem like it makes sense. This team is built for kind of pacing themselves along. And maybe they get 63 wins along the way, but I'm still going 61. Um, let's run through several sort of predictions here that kind of for the Celtics emulate league awards, but Celtics defensive player of the year. Um, you know, I kind of poo pooed this one before we got on the show and said, isn't everybody picking Marcus smart? Well, I'm picking Marcus smart. So John, uh, you said, no, 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 not, you know, not everybody's going to pick Marcus smart. There's this guy and that guy, but on a show who's on a show where Marcus smart's been shown an enormous amount of love and shown you and your family an enormous amount of love. Are you really going to go in any other direction? Well, look, I mean, the anchor of the Celtics defense is no doubt Al Horford. I mean, they, this, none of this works, you know, without what Al Horford can do. Uh, and what he did against Giannis, what he did against Ben Simmons, what he did against Embiid. I mean, he was the, you could argue for, was it not for a guy named LeBron James, he was the best player consistently in the Eastern Conference playoffs. So we'll say Speaking that. Of managing minutes and, exp- and you know, there's a guy that, sure. that was exactly why he was ready for the postseason. Absolutely. So there's a whole reason why you could say Al Horford is that guy, and and I wouldn't fight you to the death. But if I'm going to fight someone to the death, I want a guy that's going to try to take J.R. Smith's head off. I want Marcus yeah, Smith. So, so look, there's no controversy amongst us on this, but I think there's value in others. So, uh, yes, Marcus Smith. <laughs> are you kidding me? Am I going to pick somebody else? I mean, you can't pick anybody else. There you go. That was the that was the rigged vote on Celtics Stuff Live. All right, so uh, Celtics Most Improved player uh this one's kind of tough because we had a lot of players that got a chance to improve last season and now they may have a reduction in minutes or a decreased role or a different role so most improved player this one's going to be this one's going to be interesting there's a couple of players with year three there's a player with year uh, three last year that maybe there's a delayed year three um, i'm not sure you can pick marcus smart two in a row though john <laughs> I could try. I'm not going to though. Uh, as much as I'd love to. I'm going to spread around the love here on the Celtics roster. Um, I'm going to go with Jason Tatum. And that doesn't, that's not saying he was bad last year. That's a tough year. bet, man. That's a tough bet. I think he's going to be an all-star this year. I think he is, he is going to be, I think if we talk about what you know, in terms of who's going to push the envelope with this team, him going to that next level. And we didn't see it in preseason. So I'm a little bit kind of taking what I see with my eyes and only uh, trying to ignore that. And, and instead going by what I'm, what I'm hearing, what I'm reading and people saying that Jason Tatum is going everywhere this summer and killing people, just murdering people left and right on the basketball court. And, and yeah, am I colored by the slam article where he just talked about what a ferocious competitor the guy is, even though he's a real cool dude and he doesn't say a whole lot. 
Dude's a monster. I'm I'm picking Tatum, and I think he's an all star. What do you got? I I like Tatum. Uh, most improved player, though. I'm going to pick a real underdog here for you. I'm actually going to go with Daniel Tice, despite the fact that I said he would have Good very limited, limited minutes this year. And we've been talking a lot about Baines in the starting lineup, et cetera. But I actually think Tice is the one that takes a lot of minutes. It's not just that they do that small lineup. I think Tice is, is kind of poised in the type of offense the Celtics want to run. Not that Baines won't have his role. And not that Baines won't come in and provide that, but you know, Tice is kind of a rim runner. And I think with all that movement that they like to have, um, on the offensive end, and I think they are going to try to just have some fun and shoot it out. I agree with you. Defense is definitely a concern for this team. And that's because I'm hoping offense is not a concern for this team. And you've always seen, uh, you know, teams during the regular season, they have glimpses of defense. Last year, they had an amazing defense through the first third of the year, but teams tend to kind of not play that same level of defense. And then all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, whoa, where did that come from in the postseason? I think this team is going to be a lot like that, and that's where I kind of come back to Tice. I think Tice is loves to get up and down the floor, and I think that's how these guys all stay happy. I think that's how you address some of the chemistry concerns, and I think that when you're running that hard, people's legs are going to get winded, and maybe you do reduce minutes, and somebody like Tyson is going to get a lot of time, and he was playing really, really well last year right about the time he got injured, and I, I feel like he could be a sneak attack, and it's also a pretty safe play because he did not, he didn't have a breakout year, but you saw he could do a lot more than he did, and he kind of, you know, just never had quite the full opportunity to show it. And I feel like, I feel like there's a lot of room for him, even in limited minutes, to to be able to garner this award. So I'm going with Tice. Um, the last one before we kind of wrap the show on, uh, you know, the top eight teams in the league, and then whittling it down to the finals is the Celtics' sixth man of the year. I'm going to steal this one from you. I'm not even going to let you go first. I'm going to go with Terry Rozier, dude. I think he's playing for a contract. He's a maniac. He's There's so many reasons to pick T. Rose on this one um, and a spark plug off the bench. And if you do want to let Kyrie get rested, you know, have him come in and do his thing. Who's the man you're handing the ball to to run the show? It's Rozier. He's just got six man. Vinny the Microwave Rosier written all over it. <laughs> I love that. That's great. That's great. I uh, I like that pick, uh, and it probably would have been my pick. Um, Had if, I not stolen it from you? No, well, no. Because, so I'm conflicted here because on the one hand, I have talked a lot about how I think Hayward should be coming off the bench, right? Uh, and if he does, he's clearly going to be the sixth man of the year, not just for the team but for the league. But I can't, I can't do that. I can't do that. I'm actually gonna say, Terry Rozier. Terry Rozier. I mean, look, it's just, it's all laid I out. For him. I his knew role, it. His role is so clear. Um, you know, there's a lot of question. I mean, health and whatnot. And I, I think if there was. Maybe if it was a year later and this was going on with Hayward, it might be much easier to slot Hayward into that six-man role. I really think he could be dynamite in that situation, and I don't think it diminishes him in any way. But I just 
I don't believe by the end of the year that they're going to go there. They're going to want those three wings on, on the starting lineup or playing a lot together. And I just don't think that, that he's going to have those minutes. Whereas Terry, he could very well be the sixth man of the whole, the whole league. So, uh, I, I think that's the right pick. All right. Top four in the East. We're running out of time. Top four in the East. I'll go Celtics. In order, right? We're doing yeah, it in order. In order. order. Right? Yep. Yeah. I'm going to go Celtics. Man, I almost want to do Milwaukee above Toronto, but I'm not going to do it because I think Kawhi is going to be all right. So I'm going to go Celtics, Mil, uh, Celtics, Toronto, Milwaukee, Philly. And, and Philly, the way they played the second half of the season really could be as high as number two, but I just, this whole Markel Fultz thing just tells you all the reasons why they won't be. So there you go. That's my order. One, two, three, four. Washington sitting just out on, on the outside in number five, I think, for me. Yeah, I, I think that's I, that's a good four. Uh, I, I think Boston is going to be number one. Uh, I'm actually not going to pick Toronto number two. Uh, I, I agree. I, I'm... I think Kawhi is going to be okay, but I think there's a lot of other questions there that no one's really talking about in terms of fit and new coach and new system. And I think that's a, I think that's a lot to ask for. I still think they're going to be tough, but I'm actually going to put them third. I'm putting Milwaukee too. I think, but I think Coach Bud is going to make a big difference there. I think they actually are going to have a system that's going to work offensively. I think that Giannis could very well be the MVP of the league. Um, he's going to need to show he can shoot, but. I think he's going to really be able to run roughshod over a lot of the East. Um, I don't think – I still think there's a gap between Boston and two and three. And as for number four, Indiana Pacers. Eat it, Philly. Eat it, Philly. You know what, though? That's a good pick, too. That That's probably who should be ahead of the Wizards, to be honest with you. Oh, I mean, yeah. Screw the Wizards. You know, I, I, I should have dropped them out. down to six. I shouldn't even – I shouldn't even have thrown that caveat of a number five in for them, right? <laughs> But right. You're, you're 100%. I think you're, you know, that Indiana Pacers pick, that's a good pick, man. That's a, that's a team that, that got, that got more by subtract, by subtracting a star. There's yeah. no doubt. And, and I think they added some nice pieces in the offseason too. So I think they're going to be tough. I think they'll be a good team. And I just, I don't see it with Philly. I think they, I don't think they got worse in the offseason. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. It's the shooting. That's, yeah. it's a shooter's league. All right. Top four in the West. I'm going to go pretty simple picks here, I think, for the most part. But I'm going to go Golden State, Houston. You're not going to change anything there, I'm certain. But then I've kind of got Utah and LA and I'm going to say Utah number three. I, I just, I like that team. Um, and I think they had last year with a rookie kind of bouncing back from the loss of Hayward. And I think they'll really, you know, defensive stalwart right there in the middle and go bear. I just like the team. And then number four, I'm going to say LeBron goes out West, but he stays in the fourth seed. <laughs> okay. All right. So I'm going Golden State one. I think they are going to be stronger in the regular season. I'm actually going to pick OKC number two. I think Houston drops. Yes, I think Houston drops to number three. Another team that didn't get as good as they needed to be, uh, and they're going to really miss Trevor Ariza. And number four, <laughs> I don't want to pick him, but you're doing the Lakers. Uh, so yeah. you don't even put Utah in your top four. You don't I, think I don't. Mitchell drives this one. I, I think he's great. I just I'm not a big believer in in the system. I think I think I think that the health of the West 
being better in this in this year too. I think Denver's going to be a lot better. Um, I think that uh, Minnesota, if depending on how long Jimmy Butler is going to be there, is going to give him a push. The Clippers are going to be a lot better. They're going to be a playoff team. So I think there's going to be a lot more pressure there. And Sacramento is going to be the worst team in the West by far. So that should be fun for all of us. Yeah, we just don't want them to be first, right? Or right. We don't want them right. to have the number one. You know, Atlanta kinda, will be the worst. Somebody's, be the worst. somebody's got to be worse. <laughs> and, then, and then the lottery has to work out. You know, in order of how they finish for sure. But, uh, that's interesting. You know, I, I, I kind of feel like with all the minutes that Westbrook plays at some point, there's gotta be an extended injury. And there was an injury at one time, but you know, you had a guy named Duran around and I just don't think Paul George is going to be able to carry that team through a Russell Westbrook injury. And I think that's the, that's the big stinger for that team, uh, hitting the top four this year. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. And he's had knee problems before and, and all that. Um, you know, I think Paul George is going to be a lot more comfortable there. I think getting Melo out of the way is going to be a huge plus for them. The Schroeder deal was, was a good pay, a good, good move for, for Golden State. I just think that they're going to have more to prove. I think Gold, I think Houston kind of used up a lot of his bullets last season. And so I, I just feel Golden State is going to have that next level. Excuse me. That OKC is going to have that next level, and uh, if we're going to pivot to the top four, how are the final four going to be? That's my final four, actually. OKC and and uh, and Golden State in the in really, the yeah. I think I think OKC is going to in Kevin Durant's final year as a Warrior. Absolutely, they're going to have to go to the conference finals <laughs> against each other before he returns back to Golden. Okay, see. Goes back to, wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be yeah. so LeBron-like? Yeah. Dude? yeah, that won't that won't fly. That won't fly. No. All right. And then, um, and then Boston. I'm still going Houston. Oh, uh, yeah, right. You're going to say Boston and? Boston. I got to go with Boston. And, no, I'm going to go Boston-Toronto. I think yeah. Toronto will figure it out to get past them. I think okay. Kawhi on, on uh, Giannis will be too tough. So, And Boston gets through. Boston gets through. Yeah. All right, so it's Boston Golden State. That's what I'm saying. Okay. I'll hold uh, off and you do the rest of yours and then we'll do our final picks. All right, all right. I'm going to go uh Houston and Golden State. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go Boston and Toronto as well. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say Boston and Houston in the finals. Rematch. Because that's what we want to see, man. I'm I'm going for it. it. Is? <laughs> It was last year. Remember how great those matchups were between Boston and Houston? I know just a well. ton of yeah. fun. And, 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 yeah. and I just think the league needs a change of pace, you know, and it would just be so awesome. I mean, I would love it if it was the Celtics that punched the bully in the mouth, but that West, that West, I, and you know, look at the injuries that Golden State's dealt with every year. Yep. You know, they have a hard time and I, they manage it and they manage it. But at some point you keep playing for the finals. It's got to catch up. You have, you know, it's kind of like winning the Super Bowl. And then all of a sudden, you know, all the players have are so beat up that the next, they just have to have a down year at some point. Right. And, uh, and I think that's, I think there's a chance that, that they're vulnerable this year for that reason. And I do want to, I just, I love the tempo. Um, I, I, you know, there's the whole Boston and San Fran East and West coast, but you know, that, that whole Texas, there's no real Texas, New England rivalry really. 
but it's two totally different styles of attitude. You know what I mean? I mean, I know it's, but they're still gritty, you know? And, and I just, I don't know. I think the fan bases will have fun with it. I think it'll be really entertaining, up-tempo offensive basketball. And, and the beard deserves a chance to be on that stage just once. And remember, you know, in the past when Houston's made it to the finals, They've kind of done it the same way. You know, they play second fiddle and then there's that one gap year and they sneak in, you know, and then they fall off the map again. And I could see it going exactly the same way for Houston this year. Uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 81, they had, they had, uh, you know, Moses or no, they didn't have, yeah, they had Moses that year. And then of course in 86 when they, when they had, uh, Akeem and, and Samson, you know, those, both those times worked out for Boston. So I wouldn't at all be upset if the Celtics ended up facing, uh, the Houston Rockets for a third time, uh, with the same result. But I, yeah, I, I think you're right though. It's, it's, Golden State, the fifth year of doing this, is unprecedented, really. I mean, in the modern era of 82 games and the type of defense these teams play, I mean, there's a reason why teams are not able to keep this pace. And, yes, they have a lot of players, and, yes, they have a lot of talent, but that is a really strenuous thing. Look look back to the 87 Celtics and what they looked like after going to the finals in 84, 85, 86. And in 87, that team was gassed. This is a year later, so the 88 Celtics, they were even more gassed. Uh, couldn't get past pis- the Pistons. Maybe this is the, the, the 88 Celtics year for the Golden State Warriors. I still think they're going to have enough because I don't, I wasn't as impressed as what I needed to be to what Houston needs to do to get over. So I, that's why I think Golden State gets through. Uh, but I think they're beaten, beaten and battered and I think they're going to have a hard time to have that, that next level of oomph to close the deal in the finals. All right, I think that we got to do it. That's going to close the show. Lots to talk about. How many, this how, year. many how many games? How many games? Who's wins? We got we got to do that before we close the show. Oh, you mean in the finals? The guy, yeah, man. Oh, there are it's seven games. Seven games, Boston on top. Seven over Houston on top. Yeah. Who doesn't guess seven games in the finals? Well, I but no, you you could assume that you know because they do the the you're going Golden State, State though, aren't you? No, I'm going Boston six. Over Golden State. That's right. Do it at home. And you don't think Houston can get to the finals and you're going to go Boston over? All right. I love it. Boston, Golden State, game six in the TD Bank North Garden. Pandemonium reigns on June 18th. Oh, Oh, I see what you did there. I see what you did. There you go. (laughs) Because they won on June 17th. For anyone who's a longtime listener of Celtic stuff or longtime viewer of Celtic stuff live. You know, 17 and Justin, we now turn the page to 18 in 2019. Anyway, whatever. Would have been cool if they did it last year. It would have been better, yeah. June 18th of 2018 for the 18th championship. It just doesn't work that way. It only works with 17. Thank you, Havlicek. All right, this broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Media Mobile app. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke. Our heartfelt thank you to everybody for tuning in. And remember that you can help support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. We'd love it if you gave us a rating and a review because your feedback is important to the show. And for staff writer Samuel Elias, executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Media, Nick Gelso, and my co-host John Duke, I'm Justin Poole. And thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live. Celtic Stuff Live.